to Freedom to Choose, brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, giving hope to people caught in the devastation of addiction. In this series, Questions I'd Like to Ask God, Rich Kallenberg shares 10 messages about God who loves you more than you can imagine. A God that wants you to understand Him. And yes, a God that welcomes your difficult questions about Himself and the way He runs His universe. Rich found freedom 18 years ago from his out-of-control life of drug addiction and alcoholism when God found him. Break free from the chains that may bind you or your loved ones. Now here's Rich on Freedom to Choose. God ordains everything to do things in a certain purpose. Now, with that in mind, and the devil wanting to create and God saying no, the devil wanting worship and God saying no, the devil claiming that his freedom was restricted because God said no, 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 no. So his freedom is restricted. So let's look at what happens at creation then. God is a God of demonstration, is he not? What was the devil's claim he wanted to create? God said, you were not ordained to create. However, come over to this planet Earth, and I will create a creature, and I will ordain that creature to procreate. I will ordain that creature to be as close to God without being a God. In other words, I will allow this creature, this creature will be ordained to be able to create. And that's you and I. So does that answer that accusation that God will not share his creative abilities? Yes. God demonstrates that he will share his creative abilities with us. We're the demonstration. You find this fascinating. Okay, the other thing was that God was restrictive. That he wouldn't, that, that he's, he, he, he restricts freedom. So God says, I'll tell you what, then these creatures that create, I'm going to allow them to raise their little ones to the dictates of their own conscience, to be totally free to do that. Does he answer that accusation that God restricts freedom? And he says, to top it all off, you think your freedom is restricted, I will give you access to them at the tree. Ooh, our God is a God of demonstration. Do you see how he answered those accusations at creation? Because he demonstrates. Now, picture a courtroom, a heavenly courtroom. We're going to go to court. Anybody ever been to court? What are the devil's accusations an attack on? They're actually an attack on God's character. When someone says that you are doing this or you're a liar or whatever, it's an attack on your character. To understand God's character, we must weigh evidence. Are you with me? Let's weigh some evidence. You want to weigh some evidence? Let's weigh some evidence. God had, it has invited us to weigh the evidence where? In the Bible. Let's talk about character evidence. Character evidence is a term used in the law of evidence to describe any testimony or document submitted for the purpose of proving that a person acted in a particular way on a particular occasion based on the character or disposition of that per per person. Character evidence. Let's talk about an opening statement. Remember, we're going to go to court, so we need to know what these things are. Opening statement is a valuable contributor to the persuasion process at trial. 
through, through opening statements, each side lets the jury know what evidence they will present and what this evidence is supposed to prove. Character evidence, opening statement, what evidence we're going to use, what it's supposed to prove. Let's look at God's opening statement. Remember, he's answering those accusations. Exodus 20, verse 11. For in six days the Lord made, what's his job? Creator, right? And he did it, didn't he? His job description is creator, and he did it, and he showed. So, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is. Another part of God's opening statement then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. So he created the earth, then he created man. And he breathed into his nostrils what? That breath of life that we talked about. And God saw everything that he had made, and it was what? Very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God's opening statement, in conclusion, I am the creator, I am the source of life, and everything is very good. Created the heavens and the earth, he breathed in Adam the breath of life, I'm the creator, I'm the source of life, and everything is very good. Did he demonstrate this? Yes, he did. In the book of Job, it says the angels, the sons of God and the angels shouted for joy when God created this planet. It must have been a glorious thing. Now, to understand how God is the source of life, I want to share with you a little story about this little guy, my cat mister again. We're going to use him three times during this seminar because it's a great object lesson. Plus, I love him to death, so I like seeing him. Okay, This is a feeding tube right here. Okay because he got really sick, and his nose was plugged, and he couldn't smell for weeks at a time, and they said if a big animal like that, if they can't smell, they won't eat. If they don't eat, their liver will fail very soon. So we were scared. So they just, it's, it's almost an outpatient deal. They stuff a feeding tube, goes right into the whatever, and then, so then you got this gizmo here. As we had to feed him four times, they see he's all stuffed up. He don't feel good. And so, so this is his source of life. Okay, and when he runs, when, when we had to feed him four times a day. We, well, Susan did. She wants to claim that she's the source of life, is what it is. So, so anyway, I noticed that whenever he ran, he was running away. When we tried to do this and he would run away, I would say, this is so foolish because he's running from the source of life. But it was so obvious that that was his source of life. He, it had his medication in it, it had the nutrients, and if he did not take it, he would die. It was so obvious to me. And I thought, that must be how obvious we are to the holy beings, and we run from God. But he's our source of life, and we don't treat him that way. We run from him, and it's so obvious, probably the rest of the universe, why do these people continue to run? It's crazy. And I'm looking at Mr. Why does he run from this? It's a source of life. God proved that he was the source of life in the Garden of Eden when he breathed into the man's nostrils the breath of life. He demonstrated that. Now, Satan, of course, has an opening statement too. God is a liar. Now, 
why would I say that? Why would I say that's his opening statement? Remember, we've got to peel back the onion, okay? We've got to peel back the onion. Counsel will have a witness take the stand and his oath, and his oath is taken in the courtroom. And we're going to peel back the onion on exactly what the devil really means by what he says in the courtroom, okay? Counsel will then begin direct examination. How does counsel introduce a witness? In a courtroom, counsel will send someone to get his next witness. Now get this. This is very important. Who is probably waiting outside the courtroom so as not to have been influenced by any prior testimony unless he or she is the first witness. So the witnesses are outside the courtroom not to be influenced by anything that's gone on prior. Had something gone on prior to the creation of this earth? Were some angels and the devil cast out of heaven? Were Adam and Eve privy to this? They were not witnesses of that, see? So they are out of the courtroom. So now, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he calls his first witness, someone who has not been influenced by any prior testimony. Someone who has not seen the war in heaven. This is a complete and true picture of what would happen in a courtroom. In Genesis 3, 1 we find, And he said unto the woman, this is the serpent, Yea, hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Once again, who are the questions about? God. Has not God said? Whose character is on trial? God's. Genesis 3, 2. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said, Ye shall not surely die. Let's peel back the onion. What is he saying? God is a liar. Are you with me? You see how you can determine that? God is a liar. See, he's not talking about living or dying. He's talking about the character of God. What God says is a lie. For God knows that in the day you eat, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And God wants to object here, but he can't. You know why? Because they will know good and evil. But see, God never intended a human being to know good and evil. But that's the part the devil left out. At this point, the devil turns to the court and says to the woman, Whom do you believe? And he holds the fruit. Are you in the courtroom with me or am I there by myself? Okay. Let's find out who she trusts. And I could just see him walking by the jury. Whom does she believe? Let's find out who she trusts. Me or the liar? 
And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to desire to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. Wow. She believes me, the devil says. The devil makes the claim that he is telling the truth based on this testimony of this witness. And the eyes of them both were opened, just like the devil said. But something happened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Something happened. Something happened when they partook of that fruit. And now they knew that they were naked. Now they knew they did something wrong. Now there was shame and guilt, and they felt it. And from that day forward, mankind plunged into sin, and everything changed, and the entire universe saw it happen. They saw the change, and they realized that God was telling the truth. But God had to prove it in court. Let's go farther. As the devil rests his case, God says, hold on, not so fast, not so fast. God calls his first witness. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God calls his witness, his witness is hiding. He has a hostile witness. He has a hostile witness. The witness no longer loves God like he did 20 minutes before. Something happened. Something changed. When they disobeyed, their brain changed, and they ran from God. And God told them that was going to happen. So God has a hostile witness. Adam takes the stand, and God says, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? You see Adam sitting on the stand a little quivered up. What's he going to say? The woman that you gave me. Who's he blaming? He's blaming God also. God's own witness is hostile and blaming God. Because see, now Adam has taken on the characteristics of the devil. In other words, the characteristic of the devil is self-preservation. And now Adam is also blaming God. The woman you gave to me, she gave me of the fruit of the tree, and I ate. God then introduces into evidence Exhibit A, the documented proof that God is innocent and that he did warn the man. Imagine where God is going to go. He's going to go to Genesis 2.16, Exhibit A. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it, for in the day that you eat of it, ye shall surely die. That was a warning, not a threat. That was a warning. God calls the woman. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent, and we can assume that she's saying that you allowed into the garden, deceived me and I ate. 
God then introduces into evidence Exhibit B, the woman's own sworn testimony that she also was warned, proving God's innocence. Genesis 3.2, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, Ye shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The woman's own sworn testimony that she was warned. Is God innocent? Is He a liar? No. Based on the testimony of two hostile witnesses, God is exonerated. God then looks at the courtroom and says, if it pleased the court, based upon this evidence, I would like the serpent to please rise. And then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock, above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. If it please the court, also based on this new evidence, I would like to place a restraining order on the serpent. You know what that restraining order is? God said, I will put enmity, hatred, between you and the woman, that's Eve, and between your offspring and her offspring. God has put a hatred for evil in the heart of each one of us. If we follow God, our love for Him strengthens, and our hatred for evil strengthens. That enmity He's placed in everyone's heart, we can strengthen that. We follow God, and once again, who? Walk with Jesus. That's how that hatred even gets stronger for the evil. God confessed Job. Why? Job walked with God. God knew Job hated evil. He could confess to the entire universe, that one follows me. I don't have to bribe him. And also, I personally would like to give the man and the woman another chance. The devil never saw that one coming. He never saw that one coming. The Son of God, John, uh, 1 John 3.8, the Son of God appeared for this very reason to destroy what the devil had done. Wow. Wow. 1 Peter says this, For you know what, you know what was paid to set you free. It was the costly sacrifice of Christ, who was like a lamb without defect or flaw. He had been chosen by God before the creation of the world. God knew this was coming. God knew this whole horrible thing was coming, and he, he was prepared for it. It was not a knee-jerk for God. He has made a way out for you and I over this lying, conniving, manipulating being. That being is our problem, not God. And a lot of us treat God as the problem. God restricts our freedom. God won't let me do this. God won't let me do that. God knows what's best for each one of us. And the more we follow Him, the more that love for Him will strengthen, and the more we will be like Job and hate and detest evil. Once again, as I said, mentioned earlier, the saddest part about my work is to have to look at these guys in the wintertime and lay them off, knowing that they have house payments and children 
and any number of things, people that kids that are sick, and I have to look them in the eye and say, I don't know when we're going to go back to work. And the worst part is, is I have to tell them, don't call me, I'll call you. Because if they call me, I got to tell them no. And they call again, I got to tell them no again. It's very hard. So please, don't call me, I'll call you. Our question for tonight is, why is this world in such a mess? Because God waits. See, I lay those people off. But there are people coming to God right now that are laying themselves off. That's got to be ten times harder on God. The children that He loves, loves so much, are going to Him right now and say, Lay me off, God. I don't want anything to do with you. And so he waits. He for, waits for someone who will love him. Someone who will believe the demonstration that we just put up on the screen. And he waits. And the world gets messier and messier and messier as God waits. And has he demon, and has how he demonstrates that as he waits and we reject him and we follow the devil, the world gets messier and messier. And he begins to show, by demonstration, what a planet looks like under the devil's control. This is not what God wanted. But the only way to get off this planet alive and to eliminate this mess is to follow, follow God all the way. And you're going to see stuff going on around you that is horrible. And you're going to say, why is God allowing this? We've just seen the pickle that the devil has put God in because, he, because God has given giving all of us beings freedom to choose. And the devil is constantly accusing God. And God is allowing terrible things to happen because we've rejected him and he has nothing. He's a gentleman. He doesn't go where he's not welcome. Are you with me? Now tomorrow night, we're going to follow this accuser. And we're going to see what happens when he accuses you and me. Because he's going to do it. That's his nature. That's what he does. He's the accuser of the brethren. See, God won his case in court for good at the cross. The only thing left now is to accuse you and me. So God waits. He waits to see what we're going to do. In the meantime... The world gets worse and worse and worse. And God is just saying, please, children, come to me and we can get this whole thing over. But I'm, I can imagine the angels saying, God, let's stop it. It's horrible enough. No, let's wait a little longer. I've got children down there and some of them will turn to me. Let's wait a little longer. You know, we ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? I hope that looking behind the scenes and peeling back the onion, and we remember when we look at these things, that God sees a much bigger picture. He sees eternity. And so when He allows things to happen, we have to trust that He knows best because He sees us before we were born, why we live, and where we're going after we die. 
It's a very big picture that he sees. And all we see is a little picture. And as we look behind the scenes and we see the accusations and we see the finger pointing and we see the devil accusing God of being a liar and backing God into a corner in regards to our lives, we can kind of understand and say, okay, I see now. You know, in the book of Job, God talked to Job at the end about Leviathan, about this creature that God was dealing with. And he says, if we deal with this creature, all your problems and my problems go away. So let's let God deal with his problem and let's side up on his side. Because this devil, he is a huge problem. And if we give him a foothold, he will take our lives away from us. Let's trust God no matter what happens. No matter what happens. Let's trust Him. Because He knows best in the big picture. He sees what's behind the scenes. We don't. We have to trust Him. Job says, though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. Do I love my neighbor? Do I love them? Can I feel His pain and His Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose and this series, Questions I'd Like to Ask God. If you or someone you know is living in addiction captivity and having trouble finding God, Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that God does work miracles. They've created a seven-step, biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for yourself or someone you know, just give them a call and they'll send it to you. 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.